everyone. Welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri, writer and editor at For the Win. With me, as always, Stephen Ruiz and Evan Thorpe. Guys, what's going on? Life. Life, Life is going on. <laughs> I'm kind of bored with sports. With sports. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Like, and the the final four is a dud. It's just uh, I'm not excited about. The thing is, is that when Steven gets bored, it's time to manufacture controversy, and mm-hmm. that's bad for everyone. We need to do a series on you. Just let me rant. <laughs> All right, guys. On the show today, stuff that we got coming up. We're going to talk about the Augusta National Women's Amateur Tournament that's happening because I've got some thoughts about that. Uh, we're going to get into our beef of the week, which is Bryce Harper versus Nationals fans. Uh, not sports, but whatever at the tail end of the podcast. As always, I think we're going to hit up the new Avengers Endgame trailer. And we're introducing a new feature this week called Worst Fan in the World. There is so much competition for that happening. Oh, we're also going to get into bracket picks. I forgot. We're going to do bracket picks as well. You well, should kick it off because you got the Augusta take. Yeah. Okay. So I generally do not follow golf. That's not my thing. I don't think anyone in this room follows golf. <laughs> Yeah, not our thing. Golf is not our thing. Uh, but our editor-in-chief, Nate Scott, pointed the story out to me about Augusta National, the celebrated golf course where the Masters Tournament is held every year, is having a women's amateur tournament play at their course. And they're playing it up as this big, magnanimous gesture of look how progressive we are. We're letting women come into our course, which is frankly appalling. And like I said, I don't pay attention to golf, but Nate pointed the story out to me and I've just been super worked up about it because having these women come play on their course does not even make a dent in their appalling history of racism and sexism. And what drives me nuts is how reverently people talk about Augusta National Golf Course, right? Like people go fall over backwards about the Masters, like it's the greatest thing in the world, that it's this like huge privilege to come play at, when their policies are ridiculous. They did not let black people in their club until 1990. Like you were not allowed to be a member of Augusta National if you were black until 1990. They did not let women in until 2012. And only then it was under huge pressure because people were protesting. And I think this is quoting the New York Times, is that when they had master's tournaments there, all the caddies had to be black up until like 1985, like till the mid 80s. That's insanely racist. And yet people talk about Augusta National like it's a a hallowed institution. Hold on. You said that the caddies had to be black as in like their founder... So their founder committed suicide in like 1977 or something. But before he died, he had said something like, as long as I'm alive, the players will be white and the caddies will be black. And so when the Masters was played at Augusta up until like something like the mid 80s, all the caddies that were assigned to players were black. I don't think that they had to be black, but I think that they just kept assigning black caddies to white players like all the caddies were black. I, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And do they have more women members? I know they added two in 2012. Have they added more? Or was that just like, oh, we do it one time and we're good forever? I, yeah, I think that they've added more women, but uh, it's like one or two a year. It's not, I, I cannot believe that they've only had two women. 
I feel like you should apply to be a member <laughs> and just bring it down from the inside out. But I do think this is kind of like, and this is maybe a weird analogy, but it's kind of like a Michael Jackson, R. Kelly thing where you there's their music and then there's who they are as people. Like, I think that's where you get this split. When you when people talk about Augusta with reverence, they're not really talking about the history. They're talking about how the course, I guess, looks and how it plays. I don't know. I'm not a golf person. Well, I don't know, but there's this huge factor of history to it because people romanticize the green jacket. Apparently, you get to drive down Magnolia Lane or something when you enter the club, and that's considered a huge honor. So there's all the trappings of it build up uh, uh, the mythos of that club, and what it ignores is its shameful history of racism and sexism. And there's all there. There's a lot of uh, it's how probably like how things used to be yeah like nostalgia yep and things didn't used to be great for women or minorities <laughs> i'm gonna it's argue great for white guys i'm gonna argue it's not great for us right now either so you're telling me i should never watch golf basically <laughs> i i just don't understand like i'm actually i guess this is coming as somebody who is looking at this from the outside right i think that if you are looking at it from the inside you're like yeah augusta has a lot of problems but they're working to create them and the reason that it is uh, so well respected is because the course supposedly is one of the the best courses in the world, right? So it's an honor and a privilege to play there. To to a degree, I can understand that, right? Like you're not they don't just let people play in the Super Bowl. Like you have to to a degree earn the right to play that course. Which that makes sense, but as an actual club that people get to play in year round to not let black people in until 1990, how is that defensible? Like how can you how can you say that that's okay? You, you can't. can't. <laughs> and then women until 2012 is yes! absolutely ridiculous. If I was a woman, an amateur golfer, I pro- I would no, I I I'm saying that it's easy for me to say it now because I'm not given the opportunity, but I would probably sit out of this event. I yeah. would not participate in it. Like, I don't get how ESPN just, like, you know, you're going to see all the matches yeah. coverage, but out of all the deep dives they, they go into, like, they've yet to touch this one. I think this is something yes. I would love to see, 30 for 30. Yes. Uh, the Outsiders report is some just, like, I want to know more about this now. Yeah, and the thing is is that this kind of happens with athletes, too. I, I see your R. Kelly, Michael Jackson analogy where you try to separate the art from the artist. But this, to me, is more about when athletes have really checkered past, right? Like, you got the Ben Roethlisberger's and uh, uh, the Kobe Bryant allegations and stuff like that. It's like, when do you bring up the troubled history of a sports institution? And with Augusta, it feels like not enough people talk about it. They just sweep it under the rug or say, oh, well, it's changing now. And... The entire allure of Augusta has been built up around its exclusionary practices. The whole aura of it being exclusive is because they don't let in women. They don't let in people of color. They sure as heck don't let in poor people. So, of course, it's all rich white guys. I feel like this did has gotten coverage, though. I just don't think the people that care about golf care about those issues. Because yeah. it's mostly rich white right. men. And then yeah. the people who, like, you know, are getting excluded is like, well... I could care less about golf, and mm-hmm. I already can't afford it, so it's not like I'm a yeah. boycott it. And we already know this is happening at rich <laughs> country clubs across the country. Like, this isn't, like, a surprise. No, it's not a surprise. I just, I think what really brings it to the forefront to me is that they're having this amateur women's tournament there, which the women who qualify will get to play a practice round and then a final round. 
And that to me feels like a pittance. You know, if you if you really are committed to being more inclusive, they should regularly be opening up the club to women and people of color as a way to atone for what they've done in the past. Yeah, and I don't think you should should be celebrating this, like having an, one event there as some progressive yeah, act. I agree. Anyway, that is my rant for the day. I it just I had to get it off my chest. I already wrote a column about it. You can send me angry tweets if you don't agree. That's fine. What do we got? So let's hit beef of the week first. Okay. Let's hit beef of the week because and then we will segue into our new feature. Okay, so my beef of the week is Bryce Harper and Nets fans. If you don't know, he signed with the Philadelphia Phillies this summer for a at the time record break at three hundred thirty million, twelve, thirteen years. But he came from Washington. These two teams play each other throughout the season. And the first time was Tuesday, I want to say. He returned to Washington. Yeah, Tuesday night. And I had the pleasure of being there in my full Phillies gear. And (laughs) boy, oh boy, did they try their hardest to get into Bryce Harper's head. Now, I will say this. If you saw the first two at-bats, you would have thought they got him. Mm -hmm. But in baseball, the innings keep going. And the hitters come up, and eventually they hit. And boy, did he silence the crowd with his two-run home run. He got booed. He got booed. Like, I saw so many great, like, jerseys of his ripped up or taped over with different names and stuff. Who does that hurt? That just, I mean, Bryce already got your money. MLB already got your money. That's just a point of pride. But my thing is, like, if 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 I was a fan, I would pl- try to play my games and cheer for him. Because if he's already prepared for the boos. So if you go out and cheer for him, he's going to be like, all right. Oh, you mean that he might feel guilty? Yeah, he's like, yo, no. they they really do care about me. No. They I, already – I'm going to defend Nats fans because I am a Nationals fan, although I wouldn't have booed. I just – I feel like the, the act of booing is just dumb in general. Like, oh, they boo. Like sitting – like I'm not talking about like the physical act of sitting there and going boo. It's just, <laughs> it's just dumb. But I'll defend them. I'll defend the jersey thing. The the jersey they have, if you have a Bryce Harper Nationals jersey, you're not going to wear it anymore. So you might as well deface it, and you can then you can wear it to any Phillies game you go to. So I, I think that's I don't have any problem with that. Um. Well, Bryce also did a, a little delicious little bat flip, but after that too, I have no problem with that either. That, that I, I don't have a problem with that. That was that was cold blooded. That's like beating a dead horse. So like the fact that he like threw it towards their dugout, and then you know his hair is already like. Just flow flowing in the back Sick of the helmet flow. it's like ooh yeah i had no problem with the bad flip i also had no problem with the booze they gave him a standing ovation last year when when it was already apparent he was leaving he got his standing ovation doesn't need a new one especially when he went to philly yeah. i don't think he deserved a standing ovation if he already got one you don't get two you get I, one i think that fans have a really personal relationship with players and i can see why people take him leaving as a betrayal but uh, this entire episode of Nats fans, to me, has felt just way over the top. You think it, it's it's a lot like the Islanders reacting to John Tavares. Like, I, you got to get over it at some point. Please don't take it so seriously. But I don't think the first time he comes back is the moment you get over it. And I don't think it's as bad as the Islanders thing. Like, the video no, segment yeah. <laughs> thing was ridiculous. I don't think it's been that bad. It's been your typical okay. star player leaves. This is the treatment they get when they come back. It happened to LeBron in Cleveland. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, actually. Was it this bad it for It was worse. worse for LeBron. It was really? way worse. Man, they were like, what did they call him? They, they they had like so many nicknames for him. And then 
like they put that that was on ESPN and they booed him like warm ups. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't yeah, just Yeah, I, I mean that makes parents. sense. But LeBron to me also had a much closer relationship to the city than Bryce had with DC. Yeah, but LeBron was also better. <laughs> I don't disagree with that at all. Like um, I think part of the booze could have been that Bryce really never lived up to what he was supposed to be in Washington. He had one yeah. MVP season and the yeah. last couple of years he hasn't even been a good never got him out no. of the first round. I also never saw him as the face of the franchise. It was always the pitchers to me. It, it Bryce was just lacking that I and I'm a longtime DC resident, so I've been here for Bryce's entire tenure. Mm. He never connected with the city. If we're talking about LeBron, LeBron had a deep connection to Cleveland, still does have a deep connection to them. Bryce never had that with DC. Yeah, well, and LeBron was from there, so. Yeah. But I think that hurt him. That probably hurts a little more when you're from a city and they like basically disown you. Yeah, you do it on TV. But he did it. In a, he deserved those boos because he did it in a much worse. Well, manner. then he went back and then he got them the championship, like he well, said he was going NBA, to. Uh, pay for him to get that championship. Oh my god! That's All right, we're gonna crazy. move on until you start getting us in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't lie. All right, well, this is a good segue into a new feature that we are introducing this week called "Worst Fan in the World." Uh, I'm very excited about this. So my nominees for worst fan in the world are the men that came to Nationals Park yesterday wearing T-shirts that spelled out traitor Mm -hmm. for Bryce Harper. That, to me, is just too much work. Yes. It's just too much work. It's just far too petty. Yes. And also they had a – somebody took a picture where, like, two of the letters were out of place. And, like, dude, you can't do that now. (laughs) Because then they just have to stand, like, in order the entire time. Like, if somebody goes to the bathroom, then it's like – what are y'all trying to spell? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. So those guys are nominees. I have a nominee. Okay. It's a whole fan base. Oh, god. The Italian soccer team in in Italy, Cagliari, yeah. they made racist remarks. Or they were doing racist things, whatever they do. I don't know what they do over there. So so that's that was my other nominee, which you just cut me off. But <laughs> you... <laughs> <laughs> but Mose Keen, who plays for Juventus, was he scored a great goal, and the opposing fan base made all these crazy racist chants. They started like making monkey noises, uh, and the reaction from both clubs, his own club and the opposing club, was terrible. Basically, they just told him to get over it. Uh, so yeah, so that's the other nominee for worst fan, worst fan in the world. I think they win. I think they win too. <laughs> I don't think it's much of much of a debate. The racists win. The racists always win. It's like I didn't have a nominee. I'd have just been like the NBA fans calling people the N word, but I'm going with Stevens' take. The worst <laughs> fan. I have another nominee. It's Evan at the Nationals game on Tuesday night. <laughs> okay, so I was in a section of fans where like it was mixed crowd, but we like we all joked and stuff, and like it wasn't bad. But I seen like it was a, a group that got to fighting like towards the sixth inning. And I was just like, see, that's why people can't go out. Mm. See, this is why we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got the final four coming up this weekend. Uh, who wants to go over their bracket picks? I'm out. I had Duke uh, winning. So, so I might still be winning the pool, but I definitely can't. So uh, you, I would say this. Himmel is still in the lead with yes! 78 points. But she's maxed out. She can't get any more. Michelle Martinelli has a chance to get 90 if Michigan State wins. I'm in third place with 67. I called the Duke, the Michigan State upset over Duke. Steven, you're in fifth place. So we all, we uh, we got better, Steven and I, mm-hmm. while Himmel I'm maxed remained out. on top. But 
Michelle could beat you if Michigan State wins, but I I mean Who are you the, picking? I had I had Gonzaga win it all, so I clearly <laughs> <laughs> Who would who would you who would we want to win? Let's rank the four Ooh. based okay. on likability. I'm going Virginia last. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm going Virginia last too, solely only because of what happened in Charlottesville. <laughs> but I like I just wanted them to lose so bad that it just hurt me to see them beat a 16 seed, even though they're number one overall seed. I'm going Virginia because they play a boring brand of basketball, yeah. and it's unwatchable. And I don't care what any basketball nerds out there say; say it's hard to watch. Number two, well, number three, I think I'm gonna go. It's a tie between. It's, it's a toss up between Auburn and Texas Tech. I think I'm gonna go Auburn. I'm well, going Michigan State. I want Michigan State to win. What? Why? Why? Despite their history of covering up sexual abuse, you want Michigan State to win? And and okay, emotionally now. abusing players, <laughs> and the fact that they always win. Steph stuff. Curry all over again. All right, guys. So I'm changing up my vote. I think I'm going for Auburn because I want to see Charles Barkley happy. There we go. That's the right pick. That's the right answer. <laughs> Actually, it might not be because Bruce. Pearl's a cheater. <laughs> All right, so in the in the long list of transgressions <laughs> that these teams have made, cheating is not that bad. And actually, I'm pro cheating now that I think <laughs> about it. If it involves paying players, I'm with it. But I'm going to take Texas Tech, even though they played an ugly game against Michigan. They're a more exciting defensive team than Virginia. So I'm picking Texas Tech. I hope they win. I don't hope Charles Barkley's happy. I'm going with Auburn. I hope Charles Barkley is happy because a happy Charles Barkley is good for Patriots. Like now, they should do instead of a Zion cam, just have a, a Barkley cam, a cam, and yeah. just have him on like the corner, showing his emotion throughout the game. I agree. All right. Well, that's this weekend. Be exciting to see what happens. Uh, I think we're about to wrap it up. I think we've got our not sports, but whatever. As you guys know, we're big Marvel fans. Evan and I are big Marvel fans. Steven is grudgingly along for the ride. I observe the movies. <laughs> so there's a new there was a new trailer out, a teaser trailer that came out on Monday, Tuesday morning, along with tickets. I have my tickets. Evan's got his tickets. Steven under duress. I don't think he's even gonna watch the movie. No, the, so- the draft is that weekend. Steven says he's gonna watch on what, Monday? Sunday or Monday. Sunday or Monday. But yeah, any thoughts on the final Endgame trailer? I'm tired of them pushing this Tony Stark being... Well, I don't know if they're pushing it, but it seems from the trailer trailer that he's guilty about Peter Parker dying. Like, he's looking at a framed picture at one yeah. point and he's sad. Yeah. He had nothing to do with him dying. The guy snapped. He killed half the people. It would have happened if he was Spider-Man or not. Well, he would still be feeling guilty about it. So to break... So wait, the trailer, why? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So the trailer shows... It's, the trailer is a one-minute trailer. It's very Tony Stark-focused. It's more about, oh, Tony returns to Earth, and then he reunites with Pepper. He's shaking Steve's hand. And then he looks at this picture of him and Peter, and the voiceover is all about how Tony feels guilty. So, again, Marvel has a history of misdirection, so we have absolutely no idea what actually happens in the film, but the, the trailer does build up this uh, guilt complex that Tony Stark would have. Do we really think that Tony Stark has a picture of Peter Parker in his house? Yes. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, where is that framed picture from? <laughs> I agree. That's a good point. No, of course he does. No, I, That's weird. So, you guys, I, I'm fully into the Tony Stark as a father figure for, for Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. That's where they get you, but... <laughs> I think looking back on previous Marvel films, you can't take anything like you got to take everything with like salt in the eyes. 
Yeah, that was the, I wrote a post about it earlier, which is that this Marvel trailer is probably just full of lies because you have no idea what's actually going to happen. And like the scene where they're all in like the Avengers headquarters yeah. and you see like Rocket and all that. I'm like, I don't know if I believe all of them are in there because in previous trailers, like they've only showed four or five people. Yep. And I feel like that's a big old fake out. Yeah, and yeah. they I looked on some stuff and they showed like previous trailers for Infinity War where yeah. they had people in shots in the commercial didn't turn out to be the same thing in the film. Mm-hmm. Right. So in Infinity War there is that iconic shot of uh, Cap and Hulk and uh, uh I think Sam Wilson, they're all running towards something in the Battle of Wakanda. But in the film, that shot never happens. The Hulk is actually not even present in the entire film. So it's just a great big old fake out. Yeah. So I feel like they're trying to just start these Marvel conspiracy theories up and have people making blogs about them. And then they're like, well, I fell into that trap. They caught (laughs) Emil. Tony's dying. No. Uh, Captain America's living. All right. No. So for the next three weeks we've got like 20 some days until the film comes out we'll probably recurgitate this conversation until then closing thoughts r.i.p nipsey oh yeah r.i.p tony stark you know on a on a little bit more of a personal note we could dedicate the show to your great aunt oh wow if you uh, want to get into that i mean we can uh one passed away she was like a second grandma so uh rest in peace Aunt Dana. All right, thanks for listening, guys. 